Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. All right, we're looking today at what it looks like to live a life of faith. What it means to actually step out and put the full weight of my trust on Jesus Christ. And then what it looks like to live underneath the weight, to, to, to stand firm under the weight of a difficult circumstance. And so we're going to be in Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 6 today. Hebrews 11 is considered the great faith chapter of the Bible. It's full of this, this hall of, of heroes of the faith and the triumphs of the faith. And we're going to look specifically at Abraham in there, uh, who is considered the father of the faithful. But I called this talk Sight Unseen today because of a verse that many of you are probably familiar with. Uh, A lot of you could probably quote some version of this, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So there's some element that faith works in the realm of of things that we can't see. But a little bit further on in verse 13, after listing some of these heroes of the faith, it says, all these died in faith without having received the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. So Hebrews is communicating something here that even though there's Even though faith works in this realm that's unseen, all of these heroes of the faith somehow, in some way, saw it from a distance. So it's it's this this sight that works in the in the realm of of what's unseen. And when we when we look at Faith. Uh, how, m- how many times do we look at blind faith and, and, and just, just call it blind and it, we think it's a leap in the dark. We think it's this, this reckless endeavor. It makes me think of Indiana Jones and, and the Last Crusade uh, where, where Indy is looking for the, uh, the Holy Grail. And, and he's, you know, he's, he's finally found the place where the Holy Grail is located and of course being Indiana Jones movie, the bad guys converge at the same spot. There's this big shootout. His dad, Sean Connery, gets shot, and he's laying there, groaning like a Scotsman on the floor. And, and all of a sudden, for Indy, this becomes a lot more personal. This is a lot more personal now because in the movie, what, what this holy girl supposedly does is if you drink of it, you get eternal life. If you pour some of the water into a wound, it heals it. So now it's become personal for Indy. So like any Indiana Jones movie, he's moving through all the booby traps. And he, he gets to this point where he emerges from this cave. And he's at the edge of this chasm. And the entrance to where the Holy Grail is is on the other side, and he can't get there. Well, he's looking at his map and his clues, and he sees that he's got to take this leap of faith. But he says it's impossible. I, I, nobody can jump this. But he hears, he hears his dad, Sean Connery, calling out from the, from the entrance to hurry up. I'm not going to do a Sean Connery impression for you right now because it would be shameful. But he's calling him to, to hurry up. And so he, 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 he finally just resolves himself and, and closes his eyes and takes this blind leap of faith in the dark and steps forward. And what do you know? 
he, he, he lands on solid footing. What do you know? There's, there's an invisible bridge conveniently there to get him to the other side. But we have this idea of faith in our heads that we start to think that it's, that it's this blind, reckless endeavor, that it's irrational, that it's ignorant, that it's uncalculated. But what I want to reason from the text today is that faith is not irrational, that it's not blind, that it's actually, it's, it's not uncalculated. Faith is actually rational. It has a weight to it, as we're going to see in the text. So let's jump into Hebrews 11.1. 1. Before we, if we want to get anywhere in this conversation, we're going to have to define some terms a little better than we normally use them. Because we use faith and hope so interchangeably that, that they are connected, but we, we have conflated them. We've put them together too closely. So let's, let's start by just defining these terms a little bit. Hope, by definition, is uncertain. It's something that is off in the future. It's just around the corner. It's something you can't see. If you're talking to Pocahontas, it's just around the river bend. If you're a Cowboys fan, you know what it means to say, man, I hope the Cowboys win this week. And I don't care who you have on the roster, you know that's not a certain hope. I'm not hating, I am defining terms. It's not a certain hope any given Sunday. Now, I, I, as I was studying this week, I, I was reading this guy that I really respect, and, and he was saying that, he was trying to make the case that biblical hope is different from the way that we normally use the term. He tried to say that biblical hope is more certain, that biblical hope is actually sure. But here's my problem with it. Biblical hope is sure from the perspective of the one who sees the beginning and the end. From God's perspective, it's, it's not even hope. He's talking to us in terms of our hope, but for him it's not hope, it's what he knows. He's seen the movie, he knows the ending. I think of... I think of uh, Homeward Bound. I would watch Homeward Bound growing up, and I loved the ending when, when they finally make it home, and Sassy's coming over the hill, and Chance is coming over the hill, and finally, you have this delay, and you're wanting Shadow to come over to the hill so bad, and I'm a little kid on the edge of my seat, and they're sitting there, and they say, it was too far. He was just too old. And I'm, I'm sitting there on the edge of my seat going, you got to make it, Shadow. you got to make it over this hill. And Shadow makes it. He comes over. There's this big reunion. And after, after this, I'm not even kidding, every single time that I watch this movie after this, not an exaggeration, every single time, my dad would walk in right in the delay, right in that moment when Shadow is not coming over that hill, and he would say, it's too far. He was just too old. And I say, Dad, I have seen this movie. I know how this ends. You cannot take this from me. I would get mad. But when you've seen the movie, from, from God's perspective, the one who sees the beginning and the end, hope is sure. It is certain. But for us on this end of things, hope is still hope. It's still uncertain. It carries that uncertain connotation to it. But now... 
Hebrews 11.1 gives us a, a, a great definition for faith. It says faith is the assurance, oops, this thing's getting all crazy. It's the assurance of things hoped for. This, this word assurance, hypostasis, means substance. This is saying that faith is the substance of hope. It's what gives it weight. If hope is this water that you're trying to pick up and hold in your hand and it's just running through your hand, faith is the cement mix that you pour in and mix it up and it gives it weight that you can grab hold of. Faith is the substance of hope. It's what gives it weight and allows you to grab a hold of it. So it's the, the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. This word conviction means proof or evidence. So let me take you to a crime scene real fast. If I am, if we're at a crime scene and I, I see fingerprints and I found some DNA, what are those gonna tell me? Fingerprints and DNA are going to point beyond themselves to a reality that I did not myself witness. They're going to point beyond themselves and give me proof for something that I didn't see with my own eyes. That's what proof and evidence does for us. And this text is saying that faith is the conviction, the proof, the evidence of things that we don't see, that we ourselves did not bear witness to. Some, some synonyms for faith, uh, weight, evidence, proof, conviction. I love this one, God confidence. There's a guy named J.P. Moreland. He, he's in, in this book that he writes, he, he has, every time that he's going to write faith, he just writes God confidence. I love that one. So we tend to confuse faith and hope and use them interchangeably, but faith is actually what gives substance to hope and tests it to see if it's real. We could look at it this way. If, if over here I've got hope, or I'm sorry, I've got, uh, I've got knowledge, and over here I've got my hope, here's what I know about God, here's what I hope to be true about God, faith is the thread that connects what I hope, or I'm sorry, what I know to be true about God with what I hope to be true. It's the line that tests the weight to see if it holds. It's Peter getting out of the boat. When, when Peter served with Jesus, when he, when he was in this ministry with Jesus, he saw that the words that he said were true. He saw that they were authoritative. He saw that whatever this guy says actually happens. And so when, when Peter saw Jesus walking toward him on the water, all of a sudden his paradigm, what he knew about Christ, just expanded exponentially. What he knew was possible just expanded exponentially. And he knew that if this man, if Christ just calls me out, I know his word is true. I've seen the miracles he's performed. I know that I can step out on the water with him. So he asked, he asked Jesus, and Jesus just says one word. He just says, come. And that was enough for him. He knew at that point that was enough. And he decided, he didn't stay back here in the boat knowing that I could do this and just hoping that it's actually a possibility. He stepped out of the boat and tested it. 
And when he did, he realized that the water held his weight. I don't know what that had to have looked like. If, if it's not freezing and it's, you know, I don't know if it looks like ice. I don't know if your feet still get wet. I don't know how that works. I was thinking about that this week. But, he, but it held his weight. As long as he kept his eyes on Christ, it was holding his weight. So faith is the line that tests what I know about God and what I hope to be true to see if it holds weight. So with those terms in mind, let's, let's set up the basis for this God confidence, for this faith. We're going to go to Hebrews 6. Now, Hebrews 6, we're, we're actually going to come in kind of right in the middle of this. And this is way beyond the scope of what we're talking about here, so I can't get too far into this, but I want you to have a little bit of context for where we are. Now, Hebrews 6 is one of the five warning passages in Hebrews, and they are terrifying. They, they were a source of great anxiety for me when I used to read them and not understand what they were saying. So they can be terrifying with the wrong interpretation. But here's the only thing that I want to say about this. The warning passages in Hebrews are very important because they warn against familiarity without faith. What I mean by that is they warn against the kind of, of, of people who, who are attending church, they're around the things of God, they are experiencing God's faithfulness in some way. In some way they have... They, they've experienced, they've heard the gospel and, and Hebrew says they tasted of the heavenly things. But they don't step out and, and, and put the full weight of their trust on Christ. That's what it's warning against. But every time that Hebrews has a warning passage, it comes with a promise as well. These, these promises in Hebrews show that that Christ is the one that supplies the faith that you need to endure. And so when you start to read it with this lens, these start to become, for those who are not stepping out in faith, a dire warning. But for those, for those who are trusting in Christ, it makes it so sure. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize, look at this, the full assurance of hope until the end. This diligence here is, is a, an earnest commitment. It's putting faith into action. So as to realize the full assurance of hope. Because remember, faith is what gives it substance. Faith is what actually puts weight to it. So he's calling us to diligence so that we have this assurance. So that you will not be sluggish. He's contrasting this with the diligence. Not sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. Now, I want to say something about this promise here. And you may have heard this before. If you have, then, then just bear with me because it's critical to the context. The promise that was made to Abraham, in, in the ancient world, when, whenever Abraham 
um, the time that he was living in. Whenever somebody would make a contract, they would take animals and they would split them and they would make this row of, of animals. And they would take the person they're making the contract with and they would pass through in between the animals. So as to say, what happened to these animals may it be done to me if I don't fulfill my end of the, of the, bar, of the bargain. And when God called Abraham, he, he, said, he said, look, I want you to get these animals. I want you to split them. I want you to set it up. Abraham realizes this is normal legal matters, except it's with God, so it's a little bit different. And he sets it all up, but God causes Abraham to fall asleep. And then it says that God himself passed through between the animals so as to say, this relies on me, not you. The, the fulfillment of this promise is based on my faithfulness, not yours. And so there's a strength to this promise. And yet, Abraham still had to act on faith. He still had to step out. Hebrews 11 says he stepped out not knowing where he was going. He still had to step out and, and test the line to see if it held. But the context of this promise specifically, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you, it comes from Genesis twenty two seventeen, right after he was tested and had to sacrifice his son Isaac. He was called to sacrifice him. And of course, God comes in, in the last, at the last minute and, and, and saves him from it, provides the sacrifice for that moment. But can you imagine trying to bear up under the weight of that circumstance? You see the promise that you have waited for right in front of you for that long, the one you can see and, and touch. And he's saying, I want you to give this to me, trying to bear up under the weight of that. Abraham experienced both. It's not enough to just believe and to hope. At some point, you've got to put your weight on the line and test it. That's what saving faith is. It's not just an assent to a set of ideas. When Christ calls me to change jobs, Am I putting my weight out there? Am I, am I stepping out? When he calls me to give beyond what's comfortable, am I stepping out and, and, and putting my weight on the line? When he calls me to share my faith with, with my neighbor or my coworker, and I start to get that feeling and I, I say, I think that could wait till tomorrow. We're called to step out and put our trust in and put our weight on him. But sometimes, sometimes trusting in God means you have to step out and test the line, but sometimes it's, it's, it's standing under this weight. Like, like when after fervent prayer, a spouse still leaves you. Or your job and your financial stability are ripped out underneath you. Or a family member gets sick and is no longer with you. Faith, trust, God confidence calls us to step out and see if the line holds. Or it calls us to stand firm underneath the weight of a situation, but either way, God is the one carrying the weight. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise 
the unchangeableness of his purpose. Interposed with an oath. Guaranteed with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to what? Take hold of the hope set before us. He is calling us to take hold of hope. You can't take hold of hope unless you have the faith mixed in with it. Faith is what allows us to take hold of hope. But look at this. These, these two unchangeable things, God's purpose and his, and his promise, this is what Abraham had. Abraham had God's overarching purpose the fact that God's will will not be undone. He has seen the beginning. He has seen the end. He knows how the story ends. And yet, he gave him a promise. And at this point, this thing is kind of redundant. This promise is kind of redundant. If this is already unchanging, the promise is kind of redundant. Except that it's for Abraham. It's God condescending to Abraham's level to give him even more assurance that this will come to pass. This will happen. This is all Abraham had and this is all he needed to step out in faith. But look at this. Look what we have. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil into the very presence of God. The Holy of Holies is what's pictured here. The very presence of God where Jesus has entered forever, entered as a forerunner for us. This is all Abraham had because this is all he needed, but look at this. While that's all he had, we have this as well. We have God's action before us, anchoring us to himself. Using that anchor imagery, we are moored to God, held fast, fixed firmly. We can step out of our comfort and familiarity because he stepped out of the comfort and familiarity of heaven. We can endure under the weight of a, of a difficult circumstance because he endured. The object of our faith, I want to make this point, the object of our faith is God himself anchoring us to himself. That's why, listen, when I say this, the object of our faith is so much more important than even the size of our faith. The object of our faith, Jesus Christ, is more important than the size of your faith. The man in, in, in Mark 9, when, when he, he's got this demon-possessed son, and the disciples can't cast it out. And so he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, if you can do this, and Jesus says, if I can, anything is possible for him who believes. And the man says, I believe, help my unbelief. This point is crucial because, because faith does not completely eradicate all doubt. 
We sit in the church today and think that we can't deal honestly with our doubts, that we have to just push them to the side and blindly believe. Having faith does not mean that all of your doubts disappear. It means that you deal head on with those doubts, that you test them. You see if it holds weight. This guy's faith was small, but Jesus says that that faith the size of a mustard seed is enough to move a mountain. Why? Because I'm not the one who moves the mountain. My faith is anchored to the one who moves the mountain. The object of our faith, Jesus Christ, is more critical than the size of your faith. And then as you move toward him, and you witness his faithfulness, then your faith grows. Listen, the only way to grab hold of the hope set before us is to grab hold of the one who secured it, who holds the beginning and the end and tells us the outcome is sure. Living a life of faith is every bit as real as grabbing a bull by the horns. That's the basis of our God confidence. Now, here's what it looks like when you, when you actually grab a hold of it. We've seen that faith is the substance of hope. One of the best ways to step out and put your weight on Christ is through prayer. You're stepping out and you're tested and you're being persistent and you are saying, God, I believe that you are going to come through so I'm going to step out over and over and over again and put the full weight of my trust on you. I was studying this week and and realized that, you know what, When, when we pray, One of two things is going to happen. Either God's going to change your circumstances or he's going to change you to handle the circumstance. So in one sense, we've got all these unanswered prayers that that we're dealing with on a regular basis. We don't see God's action in everything that we're praying for. But in one sense, if one of two of these things is going to happen... Either the circumstance changing or you changing, in that sense, there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. That changed the way that I prayed this week. How would that change the way that you pray if you realize that every time that you pray, heaven and earth are moving? Every time. What would that do to your prayer life and your ability to put your weight on Christ? Now what... What do we do with the unanswered prayers? The ones that seem unanswered. The ones that we don't see the results of. Uh, 
All these died in faith without receiving the promises. This is the part where you've got to stand firm under the weight. Uh, I went to go see Roy Mullins this week, and I asked him if I could share a little bit of his story. A lot of you guys know and love this guy and his wife. Roy and Maxie are always either out here uh, greeting people or they're in the, in the children's ministry loving on kids. Um, Roy was admitted to the hospital this week. He, he had a diagnosis five years ago uh, of advanced um, kidney cancer. And he is still so joyful and such a vibrant part of this church. And so I, I sit there with him and Maxie this week and, and I just said, Roy, what has kept you going for the past five years? And he just said, even my faith is a gift from God. Even God has given me the grace to have this faith. And he said, <laughs> Maxie was, was laughing. that When they got the diagnosis five years ago, the nurses were dumbfounded. They, they didn't know how in the world anybody could respond to this kind of news the way that they did. And, and Roy, he said, this is a win-win. <laughs> he said, this is a win-win. He said, either I go see Christ or I get to see my grandkids get married. He said, it's a win-win. That sounds a lot like Paul in Philippians when he says to live is Christ and to die is gain. I've never seen so much joy in the oncology department of the hospital. God gave Roy and Maxie both the strength and the faith to stand up under the weight of cancer. And as I was studying this week in Hebrews 11 and looking at these heroes of the faith, I would put that man and his wife up against any of them. Are you willing to trust God even when the circumstances look bleak? When you don't see the kingdom activity taking place underneath the surface? The band's going to come out and, and, and play a song, and I want you to hear the words of this verse as they do. Therefore, do not lose heart. We're in 2 Corinthians 4. Do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction, because all affliction is momentary and light this side of heaven. Momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. We hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.